Hello and welcome to the Football Betting Podcast, your home for tips, insight and discussion on England's top four football leagues. I'm your host, Tom Pipkin, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Tom Walker. Hi guys, welcome to the show. As ever, thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Yes, so thank you everyone who listened last weekend to our Nations League and EFL special. Uh, It was an exciting week, really. Uh, Good result for England against Spain. Uh, We got a 54% strike rate on the tips from last weekend, so improvement on the week before, so going in the right direction, which is always positive to see. Thanks as ever ever to uh, Sam Buckle for getting those statistics across for us. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing result for England. Uh, The kind of two they conceded towards the end took the gloss off what was an an amazing first half uh, performance. But, you know, going into this international period, a draw away at Croatia and a win away at Spain, four points from those two, you'd have taken that. Oh, yeah, all day, all day. So... Back to pretty much the usual order of service this week. We've got Premier League, full fixture list, then the Championship, League One and League Two. So the bread and butter is back. Um, Shall we start, Tom? Anything else you want to cover? Shall we dive straight into the Prem? I've missed it. Let's go for domestic football. I'm back. I'm ready to go. Premier League, feed me more. <laughs> All right, Ryback. So it starts off with a cracker of a game at twelve thirty. It's Chelsea at home to Manchester United. Uh, no better place to start than this one. Seven to ten for Chelsea. The draw fourteen to five. United fifteen to four. Uh, so pretty big outsiders, Man United. How do you see this one going? I'm going to side with Chelsea. To be honest, yes, I know United managed to turn it around against Newcastle. Uh, throwback to the kind of Fergie era, wasn't it, with a, a last-minute goal to, to save the day. But when you look at Chelsea and the history between these two sides and how the two teams are playing, it all points towards a blue three points for me. Chelsea haven't lost to United in their last eight games at home. They have the uh, league's top scorer in Eden Hazard with seven goals. As you said last week, Tom, when you were talking about Belgium, it's probably one of the most informed players in Europe at the moment. Mm. Um, He's got seven goals in eight games, and he's also managed to bag three assists. So he's scoring on average 0.88 goals a game. So he's very close to that one-in-one, isn't he? And, you know, with with Chelsea, I just think they absolutely dispatched Southampton with such ease. Um, Last weekend, Ross Barkley is obviously fully on fire right now. I just don't see United going there and being able to cope with uh, Saris Chelsea. I honestly don't. I don't, don't know your thoughts, but I'm I'm not sucked into the fact that United are back. Absolutely no chance. Well, the international breaks come at exactly the wrong time for Man United, hasn't it? Because what you want after that big 3-2 comeback win, a few games in quick succession to build upon that momentum. So... They've kind of lost that a little bit now after the two-week break we've just had. So that's a blow for them. I'm going to actually put this one down as a draw. Mm. Based on how Manu have performed against Chelsea in general recently, I know their record at Stamford Bridge isn't that good, but the last three games, uh, they have lost them all 1-0. And they've been close 1-0 losses where United could have could probably count themselves unlucky not to get anything from the games. 
I think what we're going to see is a low scoring game. I think Mourinho is obviously not going to want to lose against his former club again. I'd go for the draw here, 11 to 4. But as ever, it's going to be an interesting game. So a little bit off topic, but um, some news coming out of Manchester United this week is that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia is apparently interested in buying the club, uh, which is valued at three billion. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. If it's just one of them tabloid rumours, they do uh, actually come in now. Manchester they've United. Got, they've got finances now. Let's not beat around the bush. Yeah, this is have. Manchester United we're talking about. Wait, they're not taking over Dagenham and Redbridge like. They've got money. It's Ed Woodward. <laughs> it's the fact that they're not backing the manager. Um, you know, when I've said this before on this on this podcast that if you bring Mourinho in, he's a manager for now. He wants players that are between yeah. the ages of twenty seven and thirty two. He wants people that are experienced and ready to win the league now. He doesn't give two hoots about what he leaves behind. And if you back him you got to deliver those players. That's why he went after Jerome Boateng and Diego Godin, uh, you know, past their 30s. Um, so does it really matter if United have even more money? No, because it doesn't seem like the, the bloke in charge of transfers is uh, back in Mourinho. But I appreciate what you're saying regarding the draw. It is United. It's Mourinho back at the bridge. I, I see where you're coming from, but I can't see past a Chelsea win, personally. And, Hazard, no. it will be head and shoulders the best player on that pitch, apart from maybe Kante. So I think, uh, yeah, Chelsea for me. I can see why. One thing that I will say about this one is if Man United play in the first half of this game, how they did in the first half against Newcastle and Chelsea get a lead, I can't see Man United coming back and getting anything from the game because Chelsea are not the kind of team who would throw away a two-goal lead as, as Newcastle did. So Man United need to start well. That is absolutely imperative for this one. Yeah, yeah. Moving on then from that heavyweight clash, we've got a South Coast derby at three o'clock. It's Bournemouth at home to Southampton. Promises to be quite a tight game, to be honest. I'm looking at two markets here. The first market I'd like to talk about is under 2.5 goals. So that's priced at evens. So you may be thinking why I have suggested that with Bournemouth uh, winning 4 0 in their last game against Watford. And it's mainly because of Southampton. So Southampton, they have been leaky at the back for sure, but they haven't been as leaky as you'd imagine. They've conceded probably two on average. Um, but it's scoring that is the problem. They've only got three people that have scored any goals this season. Danny Ings has got three. Pierre Hoiberg has got two. And Bertrand has got one. One of those from Ings was a penalty. Before mm. this Bournemouth victory against Watford, they did kind of rack up a few wins and they are going into it with high confidence. But I don't see it being a high, high-scoring game. I think Southampton are the kind of team that suck out the kind of excitement from any game really um so that's my first tip and my second tip which is a, a separate thing these are not a, a joint thing is Bournemouth to win on the nose I can see a one two nil win for Bournemouth um they're priced at evens they're decent at the vitality they've got some good form coming into the game 
Um, so that's my, my other tip. Evens uh, for Bournemouth to win. Yeah, well, that would be what I would go for. They've played 10 games this season in all competitions. I won seven of them. So it's a fantastic start to the season for Bournemouth. Five of those seven wins have come at home. They've scored a minimum of two goals in each of their home games so far. So I definitely think, for me, I know you're saying partly under 2.5. It wouldn't surprise me if this one was over. But I, I definitely think Bournemouth have got enough about them to score two again against Southampton. Then it's just the case of whether, for me, Southampton can get one in the back of the net or not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the way to go down, if we're uh, combining our thoughts here, would just be Bournemouth on the nose, I think, at evens. Yeah, yeah, Bournemouth on the nose for sure. But, you know, I, I just have a... I'm just doing a bit of research in Southampton. They've, they've not been that good at the back but they they don't seem to score many either so i'm just feeling like they're one of those teams that kind of suck the excitement out of games and it's just something that i fancy i fancy under 2.5 but yeah bournemouth to win is definitely the stronger tip okay right i'm going to jump all the way to monday for next the next thing i want to talk about (laughs) we can go back to Saturday but I just want to talk about Monday Uh, that's Arsenal against Leicester I really like the look of this fixture what I want to look at here is Arsenal to win and both teams to score that's priced at 17 to 10 Arsenal continue their amazing run of form they're on a streak of nine straight wins and I don't know if it's just me but I don't think they're getting anywhere near as much credit as they probably should be for that run by people in the media um, it all seems to be very under the radar. People are talking about the other bigger teams in the league, like your Man City's, Manchester United's, Liverpool's, Chelsea's, and Arsenal are just quietly going about their business. To be fair, they're probably happy with it like that. They're probably happy to be out of the spotlight after years of focus on Wenger and Wenger out and all that tirade against him. But um, nine was on the spin. Fantastic achievement. I say both teams to score as well because of those nine wins, six have also seen both teams score. So I think it really highlights the fact that Arsenal's obvious strength is in attack and teams can still get at them at the back. Arsenal have been on fire, haven't they? Uh, Lacazette, they have. Aubameyang look, look great. Um, it's kind of typical Arsenal to mention this, but the full-backs look absolutely frightening going forward this season they're crossing to each other on a consistent basis which tells you all you need to know definitely holes at the back isn't there still i think that's why you don't hear them being mentioned in the title race because arsenal have typically always kind of fallen apart haven't they against the big Mm. sides so i think yeah you know if they if they end up playing you know against chelsea and they beat them comfortably, then I think people will start to sit up a little bit. But, you know, I'm just going to go through their, their last couple of games that I can see. Uh, they've beaten Fulham, Carabag, Watford, Brentford, Everton, and Volska. So Everton's as good as it gets from that list. Arguably Watford when they're on their run. Not a lot of strong teams there. Um, I think that's mm. probably what is kind of putting pundits alike off, talking about Arsenal going, you know, that little bit further. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next big one for Arsenal is um, 
comes amongst a run of four straight home games. They've got Liverpool at home, so that's in about five or so games time. So a bit of a while away yet, but that'll yeah. be the big test. Yeah, and if you know what, if they beat them, then everyone's going to sit up and think, right, Arsenal. But right now, it's still a little bit softcore Arsenal. We'll get at these, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So that actually um, is me pretty much done for uh, real concrete tips for the Premier League this weekend. Not too many there, I know. But I know that you've got a couple, Tom, which you'd like to read out to everybody. Yeah, so one tip that I have, uh, it's as concrete as it gets for me in the Premier League this weekend. It's just not an attractive price. Uh, we're looking at Newcastle and Brighton under 2.5 goals. So it is priced at 8 to 15. Newcastle are on a terrible run. I don't know if you knew this, Tom, but they haven't won in their last 13 Premier League games, obviously stretching back to last season. And in their last five wow. games at home, lost every single one. These That's two, cool. you know, you don't need me don't need me to tell you that they're struggling um at the sharp end. In fact, one of the last six meetings between these two have been over two point five. Last season it was nil nil in this exact fixture. The away fixture for Newcastle, so Brighton's home game was a one nil win. I think, you know, it doesn't need covering much more than that. I think it's pretty obvious that this is going to be under 2.5 as it's reflected in the odds. Two poor teams going forward, aren't they, who are surely going to be more concentrated about not losing the game um, rather than going all out to win, I imagine. Exactly. And, and do you know what? I don't think either of them have it in them to go all out to win, to be honest. There you go. Um, okay, so let's talk about another tip of mine. So this one is actually the complete opposite of the game I've just read out. It's involving Wolves and Watford. I think it's going to be over 2.5 goals. So you're looking at evens um, for that price. Now, I'm kind of looking into the stats a little bit. Watford have um, obviously fell off a little bit. They had a blistering start. Recently, they've conceded four to Bournemouth, two to Arsenal. One to Fulham, two to United, one to uh, Tottenham. So they haven't kept a clean sheet in a long, long time. Wolves, on the other hand, have tightened up at the back. They've got back-to-back clean sheets against Palace and Southampton, but they're they're hardly the most potent sides. Before then, uh, their last two games were both teams to score. I'm thinking over 2.5 goals, mainly based on the fact that Wolves are really good at home. And they've not lost to Watford at home in the last three attempts. And actually, one of the last six games between these two has not been over 2.5. So you're looking at 2-2, 1-0, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2, 3-2. So it promises to be an entertaining game. And I'm thinking over 2.5 goals, uh, mainly with Wolves in mind at evens, is a decent shot. Absolutely statted us off the park there, aren't you, mate, with that one? <laughs> <laughs> we do Dr. our Walker. research. Have to. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. Um, I like it. History and stats suggest that it should be uh, over 2.5, definitely both teams to score. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. 
Um, aside from the obvious, obviously, I think Liverpool will definitely win away at Huddersfield on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Man City at home to Burnley, priced at 1-14. to 14. You know, we don't need to cover those ones. They're obviously very, very short prices and teams that definitely should win. Um, but from a betting perspective, there's not really much there. So shall we move on to the Championship? Yes, let's move on to the Championship. I think all the profit chasers are still writing down all the stats I just read out. So if you want to go first <laughs> and uh, change it up a bit, that would be great. So I'm actually going to go with the team who have been in a little bit of turmoil, you'd say, uh, during the international break, and that's Brentford. They play Bristol City, and that's uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. Now, Dean Smith, manager of Brentford, formerly, has now gone to Aston Villa. When someone like Dean Smith has been at a club like Brentford for quite a number of years, as he has, he's really implemented his blueprint and his footprint on that club. For that to be taken away, you think could definitely have some kind of effect on Brentford. However, I think the owners have been pretty smart here. They've appointed Thomas Frank as the new full-time permanent manager. He was assistant to Dean Smith, so you know he understands the club. He's already ingrained within the club within Moneyball kind of scouting and football that Brentford try to play. So I think they're, they're going to keep that element of continuity. Nothing's going to be ripped up and started all over again. They don't have a new manager coming in who's got to get to know the players and learn the ropes. Um, and I think at 7-10, to 10, they are honestly a shade short for me at that price, but they are playing a Bristol City team who haven't won in their last five games pretty low on confidence, don't travel well. I think Brentford are short, as I say, but should have enough to get the win under the new manager. Yeah, agreed. Joe, back in the day, it used to be that it was a natural thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a natural thing in the 40s, the 50s and the 60s, which I know is a long time ago. There's a natural thing for the assistant manager to take the manager's job if he left and he didn't take him with yeah. him. That, that was how it was. Like Your assistant manager duties was basically your apprenticeship. So, you know, this is like a, nothing that we haven't seen before. It's just kind of gone out of fashion a little bit. And it's, you know, it's going to go one or two ways, isn't it? Um, I think it's a really smart appointment as well, Pip. I, I think, you know, Brentford yeah. uh, are doing as good as they've done since I've followed football, really. Like, this is the best I've known a Brentford side be. So, you know, certainly, like you said, no no need to rip that up. Uh, agreed. Yeah. A little short, a little short, uh, but certainly something that should happen. And Thomas Frank, who they've brought in charge, is no household name by any stretch of the imagination. But if you look at his previous coaching histories. He's Danish, coached Denmark under 16s, 17s, 19s. Uh, his first proper club management role was at Bronby. He did pretty well there, spent three years, came fourth and third. And then since then, obviously, he's been at Brent, Brentford and uh, been Dean Smith's understudy. So it's not like he's a complete newbie to management here. No, he's not a novice and he's not a dinosaur either. I think he's had a good, good period to take this kind of job, so... Yeah, yeah, smarter point. Um, let's move on then to a promotion rival, I suppose, of Brentford and arguably Bristol Cities, and that's West Brom. West Brom are away at Wigan this weekend. Um, 
to be honest, profit chasers, I was having a look, obviously, first thing that you know comes to your mind, West Bromwich. Wigan are actually unbeaten at home this season. So they've played six games at home in the league and they've won four and drew two. So they're absolutely no mugs at home. Away, they're pretty hopeless. And their form doesn't really, you know, give me much hope for them to get a lot from this game. Yeah. Um, so what I think the, the safest bet is, is both teams to score. So four to seven is the price. West Brom have been on absolute fire. Uh, they scored four against Reading, two against Wednesday, three against Preston, uh, two against Millwall, and four against Bristol City in their last collection of games. Turn it on its head. They've conceded one to Reading, two to Wednesday, two to Preston, and two to Bristol City. Just the one clean sheet there. That was against Millwall. So they certainly know had to score, but they certainly concede a few as well. I fancy Wigan to get just one. Nick Power does have four goals this season. So, you know, I do fancy them to get on the score sheet. And for me, yeah. both teams to score is the most sensible bet. You could you could go one further. I think Wigan are going to find it difficult against a rampant West Brom team. And if you do fancy combining the... West Brom to win and both teams to score, which I do like. You're looking at three to one for that. That's not a bad price at all. We say, don't we, every single week pretty much. With players like Jay Rodriguez, Dwight Gale, um, got Bakri Sacco now, Harvey Barnes is on fire. You know, they're always going to outscore teams in this league. And that seems to be the entertaining route they're taking. You know, we might concede one or two, but with the players we've got up front, we're going to score a good handful of goals every game. And they're fit, they're on form, they're confident, and uh, they're doing just that. So fair play to West Brom. I can definitely see them getting a couple away at Wigan, despite Wigan's so far good home record. Hopeless away. Absolutely hopeless. If this was at the Hawthorns, <laughs> it'd be a cricket score. But they're solid yeah. at the DW, and that's what they need to do, right? They they want to stay up this year, so they're doing that. Bit. Yeah. Uh, so continuing my Dean Smith-related chat, we looked at his former club, Brentford. Let's look at his new club, Aston Villa. So we're both in agreement. This is a good, smart appointment for, for Villa? Yeah, agreed. Not very spectacular when you consider some of the names that they were linked with. You know, your Thierry Henrys, Ranieri's, God knows who else. There are various, various international names from all over football being linked with uh, the job. But Dean Smith is uh, the one they plumped for, and for me, that's uh, the best appointment. I know the championship. He's got a lot of good players to work with at Villa. They've been underperforming with Bruce. The fans didn't like the football under Bruce, and I think they're going to get a much better style of football with Dean Smith in charge. But this time, he's got a home game, and he's against Swansea. Villa are priced at 10 to 11. I think they'll win the game. I think they'll get that new manager bounce that... A lot of teams often get when a new man comes in. It's going to have a feeling of a new beginning, I think, at Villa. The fans have suffered, as I said, under Bruce for a long time. I think they're going to be bouncing for this one. It's a chance to break away from Bruce's style of football. There's going to be a lot of optimism now around the club moving forward because they definitely should be higher up the league than they are at the moment. And in Swansea, they're playing a team who don't travel particularly well. 
in four of their six away games this season in the championship, they've not scored. Uh, 3-0 nils in that and 1-1-0 loss. So you could say they're keeping it tight at both ends, but I think with Tammy Abraham, Yannick Balassi, Jonathan Codger, Jack Grealish, you know, there's, there's frightening attacking quality for this level at Aston Villa. So I definitely think they're going to have enough to breach the Swansea defence. And if they do so, I can't see Swansea coming back and uh, getting any goals, to be honest. bit disappointed in Swansea. They didn't seem... They had a very low-key... Uh, summer, which a lot of the time is what you need when you've recently, you know, relegated from the Prem. You don't want mass exodus. You don't want mass haul. You don't, you don't want all that kind of drama and, and microscope. But they've lost their identity, and if you look at their teams that they've been putting out, my, it's so far from what we used to this Swansea. It's really good. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's really, really bad. So, yeah, I think Villa. Dean Smith being a local boy as well, that's like a, a an extra added bit of uh, je ne sais quoi, isn't it, to the appointment. Yeah. Everyone loves a local lad. So uh, that's going to stand him in good stead for his first game. From an exciting game to talk about to arguably the dullest in the league this weekend, let's talk very briefly about Ipswich and QPR. So this game is obviously... At the wrong ends, uh, these guys, 18th for QPR, Ipswich in 23rd. Ipswich have yet to win at home this season. Although they have only lost one, they've drew five of the six. QPR have only scored four goals away from home all season. Three of the last five games for QPR, they have failed to score. And of those other two, they scored one. Both of these teams, their top scorers have three goals. For QPR, their top striker who scored this season is uh, Tom Ahmed, one in eight. And currently, for Ipswich, I'm uh, looking at Caden Jackson, who is one in 11, who is a class as a striker. So it doesn't promise to be a great game, in all honesty. And sorry, Prophet Chase, if you feel like I'm focusing on the absolutely shocking matches. Both teams to score, no. Is something that I like. Five to six. I think it's going to be a really dull game. Um, I can't see both teams scoring. As I said, both strikers, uh, both team strikers have got one goal as a maximum. And if you look at the under market, under 2.5 is a tasty, for, for this game, a tasty four to six. That's pretty good, isn't it? Really pretty good, considering how poor both teams are going forward in general. And you think both of these teams will, at this stage of the season, probably be looking at this game uh, not as a must-win, but probably more as a shouldn't-lose-this. You know, yeah. these these are two teams who are likely to be down this, the bottom end of the table for the majority of the season. So I think they're going to be... Wary, cautious, They're not. neither is going to be too expansive going forward. And if this does end in another draw for Ipswich at home, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was uh, an, an, even a nil-nil. The safe bet, I think, is under 2.5, yeah. which is a very tasty 4-6. And uh, like I said, if you want to go that little bit extra further, both teams to score no is also competitively priced at 5-6. to six. So... Yeah, I mean, the bookies agree with us, don't they? It promises to be a bit of a dull game. So, 
That's my yeah, uh, tip for that. Okay. Um, I've got no more for the champ. I don't know if you've got anything else you want to look at. No, no. It's a, it's a tough weekend, isn't it? A uh, little bit of a yeah, banana skin. It shouldn't be a banana skin, to be honest. Um, everyone should know, know about Stoke by now. But anyone that's been living under the rock and just thinks that Stoke are going to be uh, you know, completely victorious against Birmingham, I'd warn strongly against it. Birmingham are probably the stickiest team in the league this season. Can you believe, Tom, that they've only actually lost two of 12 games uh, this season? They're unbeaten at home. Uh, They've only lost two away. They've managed to get three draws and a victory against some very good teams as well. Um, Yes, Stoke on paper should be runaway victors, but I just want to warn the profit chasers that 10 to 11 does not interest me in the slightest. I don't know about you, Tom, for a, for a pot as well. No, absolutely not. You'd think Gary Rowett, he'll have a vengeance against Birmingham, I'm sure, but uh, I certainly think Birmingham have got more than enough in their locker to hold Stoke to a draw. If Birmingham win, I, I don't quite know. I'd go down the line of draw for this one, 23 to 10. Yeah, I think Birmingham are a good, solid outfit, unspectacular. Stoker is shambles. One week they're great, the next week they're shocking. So, bag of revels, as, I said, as I've said before. Any more for you in the champion, um, or are you ready to move on, sir? Nah, uh, let's move on. Let's have a look at League One, what there is to uh, tip of it. Uh, I'll start at the top. Blackpool against AFC Wimbledon for me. My tip for this one is Blackpool. They're priced at evens. Uh, I think it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. Blackpool are in 14th in the league. So you look at that and you go, hmm, not great really. But they have actually only lost one game this season. They draw way too many. Uh, they've drawn, they played 11, won three, drawn seven. And as I said, lost just the one. Um, and that was way, way at the start of the season when they lost their first home game 2-1 to Portsmouth. And we all know now how good Portsmouth have been, especially away from home. So since then... They've gone nine unbeaten in the league. Um, They've got a very, very strong home record since that defeat against Portsmouth. They've racked up a lot of wins at home. I don't think they're going to have too much trouble against an AFC Wimbledon side who are on a really, really poor run of form at the moment. They're sitting in 20th in the division, just one point above the relegation zone. And they've only actually won one game in their last seven in all competitions um, so it's a it's a season of struggle for Wimbledon. They even lost to Plymouth the other week and Bradford, and that's when you know you're poor. <laughs> I I'm really worried. Yeah. For Wimbledon, I think it could honestly be a really tough season. They're really struggling, yep. aren't they? Really, really struggling. They are. Um. So yeah, it's it's not looking good. Not looking good at all. And yeah, Blackpool. Surprisingly, I I don't know what. I don't know what I expected from from uh, from Blackpool this year. They're just one of those teams, aren't they? It was hard to pinpoint a lot of off the field problems, but you know, Bowyer's gone. Yeah, for me, when Bowyer left at the start of the season, I kind of thought, well, they shot that. Then yeah, they had a really good manager there, was doing wonders considering all the off field problems at the club, limited budget. Uh, but no, they've continued without him, much much stronger than. Myself and probably a lot of people have have expected. So fair play. 
Yeah, and the uh, Oyston family have got what they don't deserve, haven't they? Anyway. The, fan, the fans deserve it, but uh, yeah, not the Oysters. Yeah, the fans do, 100%. Okay, so let's talk about where you want to be on Saturday. If you're a neutral football fan, or if you live anywhere near Peterborough, you need to go and see this game on Saturday. Uh, Peterborough United, Accrington Stanley. This is going to be an absolute belter. Uh, two f- attack-minded teams uh, going head-to-head in what is a promotion game. The, the, there's no, no two ways about it. Accrington refusing to go away. They're in sixth. Uh, Peterborough somehow are clinging on to uh, second place, despite the fact that they've been pretty poor, especially at home. Did you know, Tom, Peterborough have played five home games in a row without winning? Yeah, they're a joke. Absolute yeah. joke at home. Yeah, at home, they are... Something is, something is going on. But we're not worried about the result too much. We're just going to look at goals again. So I've covered this before. Uh, Peterborough have got Matt Godden on 9-13. Jason Cummins, Cumdog, 6-11. Mark O'Hara, who's a <laughs> defender, 4-13. And, and the list goes on and on. They've got a lot of firepower in that team. Accrington Stanley are not shy at all. Uh, Billy Key is averaging a goal every other game right now. Um, and so Sean McConville is looking at, he's got a goal probably every 0.38 games. Um, so he's doing really well as well from midfield. I'm looking at goals. I do not want to touch the result, even though I'm swaying towards Stanley. Both teams to score is 8 to 15. So it's not amazing. Um, over 2.5 is also a great option. That's slightly better priced at 3 to 5. And Tom, do you know the score? Last time these two met at, I believe it's still called London Road. It's probably got a sponsor name now. ABAC yeah. Stadium? ABAC? I don't know. It will be always be London Road to me. Um, do you know the <laughs> score last time these met, Tom? Well, uh, for one... God knows when they actually last met. Uh, for two, I had no idea. Four all. It was in 2008, and Peterborough won 8-2. So, wow. Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> that will that will bring in the uh, over 2.5 pretty pretty well. And the rest, Previously, Jesus. Yeah. Back in 2007, 2-0 to Peterborough, 3-2 Rackington, then 2006, 4-2 Peterborough. So... Goals are traditionally in this fixture, and I think there will be goals on Saturday. If you if you close by, go and watch. It'll be a great game. So just to add on to that, I'm just looking at again on the goals theme. Um, I quite like the look of Accrington to score two or more goals, priced at thirteen to ten. Accrington have scored in thirteen of their fifteen games in all competitions this season, as you mentioned. Billy Keyshaw McConville leading the way for them. Uh, Peterborough at home, they're shipping goals left, right, centre. In the last few games, they conceded two against Brighton under-21s, four against Barnsley, two against Blackpool, two against Portsmouth, uh, one against Doncaster before then. That's just the home games. If you, if you factor also in their away games, you're looking at conceding two against Sunderland, two against Gillingham, two against Southend, three against MK Dons. This is a team score a lot, concede a lot. Uh, and considering... 
how consistently Accrington have scored throughout the whole season. I can definitely see Accrington getting at least one. And then I'd also say two, and that's 13 to 10. So I, I think that's a good little bet higher odds. That's a bit more of a refined insight <laughs> as, as, to, as to my kind of smack in the face tips. Um, yeah, that's a bit more of a refined version. And, and I like it, Tom. Good amount of research has gone. There's some great research on the show today. Yeah, it was up to Tom one and two, aren't we? <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's move on. Uh, I, uh, I don't know about you, but I've got one more that I'd like to read out. Uh, yeah, you, again, you can go for it. Again, I'm sorry, Profit Chasers, because it's another both teams to score tip, but I feel like when the games are tight, this is the kind of route to go down. Um, I'm looking at Doncaster Rovers and Gillingham, both teams to score yes. It's priced at three to four. So it's pretty much a tale of two strikers why I've gone for this. You've got Tom Eaves for Gillingham. Uh, he's got six in 12 this season. And John Marquise, who's got eight in 13 for Doncaster. Um, Gillingham are a very peculiar side. Uh, they either throw in a 3-0 loss against Rochdale or they go to Fratton Park and beat Portsmouth 2-0. So, very, very unpredictable. Uh, Doncaster certainly aren't shy when it comes to scoring goals. Uh, but again, they can be unpredictable too, despite the fact that they are so lofty in the table. Uh, they're fourth and Gillingham are uh, 19th. But, you know, Doncaster has scored 21 goals in 13 games in all competitions. Gillingham has scored 15 in all competitions in 12 games. So, yeah, for me, both teams to score is looking likely. I wouldn't really want to call the result, however. I think they're both very, very shaky. I'd, if I had to go for the result, personally, I'd go for Doncaster 7-10. to 10, But um, Gillingham are one of those teams that really pee me off like you see the absolute coupon buster where they beat Portsmouth in a way the other weekend. Everyone had that down as a banker. Great result, completely out of the blue. And then it really annoys me because they don't follow it up with anything. They followed it up with a 4-0 loss to Tottenham under-21s. It's like, then, come on. Then they follow that up with a 2-0 loss at home to South End. Yeah, it's like if you're going to ruin everyone's accumulator at least follow it up with a good bit of form, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I can see I can see where you're coming from with the uh, with the goal, both teams to score back. Yeah. I, I just think both are so unpredictable. Doncaster slightly less, but I just think, you know, Donny averaging 1.08 goals a game and Gillingham 0.85 promises to be mm. a, a ding-dong affair. Doncaster have had a lot of both teams to score in recent games as well. They've actually conceded in, uh, what's this, about eight eight of their last 10 games. So, yeah, they're not shy to concede a goal. That should echo the, the tip there, 100%. Uh, right, League Two then. So, do you want to get us kicked off with League Two? Ooh, ah, FGR. So, ooh, ah, FGR. FGR. So, what? Forest Green, yes, they have lost back-to-back games against uh, Coventry in the Football League trophy and, most importantly, Northampton in the league. New manager bounce, uh, I'm blaming that on, but they're back at home. And at home is where they haven't lost in eight matches and they haven't lost 
against their opponents, Cheltenham, in their last three games at home. Cheltenham haven't won in their last five. It is the perfect opportunity and the perfect opponent Forest Green's about to back from. Um, I was having a look at league positions and stats and who scored what and who's done this. And basically what sealed it for me was the fact that Luke Varney is Cheltenham's top scorer with two. And that pretty much sealed the deal for me, to be honest, to tip Forest Green Rovers at seven to ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see FGR winning this one. Cheltenham are a team that are really going to struggle, I think, this season. This season already, uh, Cheltenham have visited Forest Green and they lost 4-0. So if that's an indicator of how this may go, that was back in September, just over a month ago. So yeah, I think Forest Green, for me, are, are a good shout. I'd like to look at Notts County, which is uh, feels a bit weird to say after their terrible start to the season. But they go away to Bury this weekend. On the nose, they're priced really, really well, I think. It's 7-2 to two for a county win, which to me looks quite big, considering the quality that is in, in that squad and the recent upturn of form they've had. Um, since Kewell's come in, uh, sorry, yeah. and the fact that I'm in Bury, you're crap. Yeah, but no, Bury aren't bad. They're, you know, they do all right. Bury in what ninth or something like that in the league. But since Kewell's come in, got panned in his first league game, five-one away at Exeter. But since then, they're unbeaten in the last five, winning the last three league games in a row. So they're starting to climb up the table now, get towards the lower mid-table positions. Um, They've got the quality in the squad to do very well in this division. They spent a lot of money in the summer. I'd go for the double chance here, Notts County or draw. And that's priced at 21 to 20. To see that at evens, I think, is a really good price. Bury themselves have only won one league game in the last five. Drawn the last three in a row as well against like Northampton, Crewe, Mansfield. So, you know, their results are unspectacular. Notts County's results are picking up. I think County have definitely got enough about them to get something out of this game. Tom, I'm sorry, mate. I, I normally agree with a lot of stuff you say, but I'm not having that Burnley... De- uh, I'm not having that Berry a decent. No chance. Absolutely no hope for them up there. They're, they're terrible. They're awful. But, yeah, Notts County have certainly picked up, haven't they? It's good to see, um, you know... It was a big call dismissing Nolan, uh, so it's good to see that you know there's at least an upturn in in uh, fortunes. Um, I think mm. we'll probably find out if that was the right decision at the end of next season. I think we'll find that that the question the answer out to that question. But yeah, Notts County seem absurdly big, so it's certainly uh, worth taking that little bit extra precaution as you just read out. Yeah. I'm going to look at a team that has not struggled this season, uh, unlike Notts County. Top of the league, Lincoln. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because anyone can tip first place at home to 23rd. But, you know, Lincoln are playing Cambridge. Um, it's not the place you want to be going, is it, if you have conceded 26 goals in 13 games. Um, you're going the hell, that's bad. Off the back of their last game, uh, won 6-2 at Port Vale. Before that, 
4-2 against Scunthorpe, League One Scunthorpe in the Football League Trophy. Uh, before that, 1-0, a freak loss, and then scored two back-to-back. So Lincoln know where the back of the net is, and it's across the board as well. If you look at all the the uh, players that have actually scored for them, they've had 11 different scorers. It's really actually quite impressive how many scorers they've had. Um, as I was saying, mm. uh, I think, I can't remember who I read out earlier, but uh, one of the sides only had uh, only had three scorers. So yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty impressive. And what's more impressive is you look at Lincoln's home form, uh, played six, won five, lost one. They're averaging uh, two goals a game. So you've got a team averaging two goals a game against a team that uh, that is averaging two goals to concede a game. So it's, if you do the math, it's not looking good for Cambridge. Uh, they're 11-20, no. Lincoln, which, you know, is, I, I think it's competitive. It's not going to get too many people excited, but I was expecting them to be uh, shorter. What's really impressed me is that whenever they have a little blip, like they throw in a dodgy result that buggers up ev- like another team, throwing a dodgy result that buggers up everyone's accumulator, um, where they recently lost to to Tranmere uh, before that. I think they they drew against someone like Macclesfield to probably cost a few people some money, but. Um, Every time they have one of those setbacks, they always respond really well. Since that Tramia game, they're unbeaten, won three games on the spin, obviously scoring six in that, in that last game. Uh, so, yeah, Lincoln deservedly top of the league and understandably, for me, quite a, quite a short price. But, yeah, they should definitely win. You could probably look at the minus, minus one market here and still be pretty comfortable with it. Well, yeah, you could have looked at the... Uh... The minus five handicap last week, and you still won. So, <laughs> so good omen. I have one more. If I could just quickly jump in, I'm surprised you are surprised um, you aren't tipping this, Tom. And I'm looking forward to hearing uh, why you're not. To be honest, um, go on. We've got Grimsby at home to Exeter. So Exeter, obviously the promotion chasing side, Grimsby trying to survive uh, this season. Exeter are priced at 11 to 10. They're sat comfortably, second in the league, um, and uh, Grimsby are sat uncomfortably in 21st. So one of the main reasons I like the fact, uh, like Exeter, they're averaging 1.29 goals a game against uh, Grimsby's 0.29. There's a whole goal more that they're averaging. They haven't lost in their last nine games. None of their last four. And they haven't, um, and Grimsby haven't won against any of their last three games against Exeter. I think for me, Exeter are a team that will go there and they'll be all guns blazing. Grimsby have, have really, really struggled. They're a little bit inconsistent where they can throw in the occasional victory. They have won two of their last two league games. The last game they played, they lost to Doncaster in the Football League trophy. Anyone, any team that loses at home to Morecambe, 2-1. Previously before that, lost away at Stevenage and lost 3-0 at home to Oldham, is going to struggle against Exeter. It, they just don't. <laughs> Exeter's front three of Stockley, four and Sweden are just absolutely on fire. Jaden Stockley actually has the same amount of goals as the entire Grimsby squad on his own. 
He's got nine. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath for me. And 11 to 10, I think it's a great price. Right. I think Exeter should and probably will win this match because you've read out all the facts and the stats and they all point to Exeter getting a three points here. But the one thing that I'd probably caveat against that is um, Exeter are very, very strong at home. They've won five home games in a row. That's where they're picking up a lot of their points. Away, I'm just looking at some of their recent results and I'm I'm a bit like, drew away at Yeovil, drew away at Port Vale, won away at Mansfield, good result, fair enough. Football League Trophy, drew away at Yeovil again. Um, lost to Fulham, no shame there. Lost to MK Dons. So, yeah, I, I can see why you think they will win. They should win, but their recent away form does worry me slightly. Okay. I, I get what you're saying, but for me, just just look at look at Grimsby, Tom. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I, no, I, I agree, I agree. Exeter should and probably will win, but I'm just saying, before everyone goes headfirst and puts money on Exeter, just bear in mind that they're not that good at the moment away from home. Okay, so uh, I'm going to reverse what Tom just said and I'm going to tell everyone to back Exeter because <laughs> for me, for me, the, yes, I completely get what you're saying. You know, we there are a few holes in the away form, um, but it's it's just the perfect game. They're second in the league for a reason. They've got a goal scorer that scored the same amount of goals as the entire opponents, and and they're priced at a really good price. What's not to love? Well, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't think I, I'm just grumpy because there's not as many bankable fixtures that as I'd have hoped this weekend that's why but uh, hey ho we'll work with what we've got uh, League 2 for me though isn't offering too much more in terms no. of things I'd confidently put out there no I, I don't have anything to add so that wraps up the tips for this weekend, as we say, slim pickings for most of the leagues, but we'd rather talk about the few that we really are confident about as opposed to giving you four or five loose tips from each league just to fill content and put something out there. I think that's a much better route to take. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, Ultimately, we don't want to be the uh, the guys that, just try fill a show, you backers, if you know if you choose to do so, and it, you end up with egg on your face. Yeah, let's let's do quality over quantity. Absolutely, right. Let's have a little look at fantasy football. There was no Premier League games last weekend, so no change in the league. You can announce the current leader in our fantasy football league, please. Okay, so. Top of the league still, <coughs> Jack Flaherty uh, with Buster's boys. He's on 559. Three points behind him is Andy Duna, and five points behind him is Daniel O'Reilly. However, be, be wary 
We have Alex Robinson with Masters United, pending to become the 92nd team in the league. We're like the Football League, 92. Yeah, we are. So where, what division would you be in? <laughs> well, that's not great. I'd, I'm 52nd. So hang on, 20 from the Prem. Yeah. Then we got 24 from the Champs, so that means 44th. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm in League One. You're mid-table League One then? Mid-table League One, yeah. You're bottom of the Champ. No. No, no I'm you're not. fourth from the Champ. I'm chasing promotion, yeah. Oh my God, you're I'm fourth, fourth in the, the Champ. champ. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's actually pretty impressive. So yeah, 92. Cheers, yeah, no, it's okay. There's 92 teams in there. Um, feel free to join, guys, if you do have a team. Um, as I mentioned, you will be kind of joining at your rightful spot. So if that's top, bottom, middle of the pack, wherever your current team with your other leagues are, that's where you'll join us, if that mm. makes sense. Um, yeah. A little bit of insight, Tom. I'm going for triple captain this weekend. Not going to tell you who right. it is, but a little, little insight going for triple captain this weekend. I'm expecting a wee bit of an avalanche in one of the games. I don't even know if he's definitely going to start, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, feel free to join in the fun, guys. And fantasy football isn't the only place where we kind of have fun off the air. Um, feel free to follow us on social media. So our Twitter handle is T underscore FB podcast. Uh, so join in with the memes, the 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 boot talk, the transfer talk, the betting talk, whatever it is. We're on Facebook as well, www.facebook.com slash football betting podcast. And you can also email us footballbettingpodcast at gmail.com. Why don't you put yourself to some use and tell everyone how they can make us happy? Right, please make us happy, guys. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating or, or a review. Um, if you've got a bit of extra time, it'll just take 20 seconds to leave a rating and then about probably a minute or two to leave a review if you're, uh, if you're really kind and want to dedicate a bit more time to us. It'll all help, um, well, as long as a positive at least, and uh, it'll just help us to move up the rankings and uh, get better content for you guys moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We would love that if you could do so. So uh, thank you in advance for those that do take the time to do that. I think that's absolutely. pretty much it for the show. Yeah. Uh, full of quality content rather than rather than uh, <laughs> quantity. But uh, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed it nevertheless. Yes, uh, hopefully improve on the 54% strike rate from last week as well. So get that back up into the 60s and 70s. That'll be great. So good luck to everybody who has a bet this weekend for whatever you bet on. And um, we'll look forward to uh, recording again next week.